0: This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. We are in our annual Bible Prophecy series, and today we're going to speak about probably the most asked question about Bible prophecy that comes my way, and that is about the rapture of the church. And that's what we're preaching on today, the rapture. So let's begin today by letting me ask you to take your Bibles and turn with me to a most beloved passage of Scripture, and that is the Gospel of John, chapter 14, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, which he already said he would in verse number two, he said, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, ye may be also. There are many prophecies About the second coming of Jesus Christ in the scriptures, even in the Old Testament. And let me say this that the return of the Lord basically is the first advent of his second coming. The first time he came, he came to Bethlehem's manger. He lived, he grew. He preached, he was crucified, he died, he was buried in a borrowed tomb, and God the Father raised him bodily from the dead. Forty days after his resurrection, he assembled all of his disciples together to the place called the Mount of Olives, and there he gave what is called the Great Commission We know it simply as go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. When Jesus spoke those words, a cloud lifted him from the dirt in which he stood. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But there are many prophecies about the first advent in the realm of his second coming. When Jesus appears the next time, he will not walk this earth. According to the scriptures, we'll meet him in the air. In fact, next Sunday's sermon deals specifically with that, and the message is entitled, The Judgment Seat of Christ. I pray that you will not miss one single sermon in this series. But getting back to today's message, I want to give you two positive testimonies about the return of the Lord Jesus, the return in which he will come in the rapture. And I want you to notice the first four words in this scripture. The scripture says this, I will come again. Notice that in verse number three. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. These are the first words that I want you to notice with promise. And these words are spoken by the Lord Jesus himself. Now in other places, the Lord echoed these words. And I want you to see Another specific text of his promise to return. I want you to notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 34. And by the way, this is one of the verses that is not on your bulletin this morning. And as I mentioned, we may slip in another verse or two. And that's why I want you to have something to write with that you can record all of this uh, in in your notes. But As the Apostle Paul wrote so well in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 34, and we reference this passage every time we have communion. But look carefully at these words. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order. Now look at these three words spoken by Jesus he said, when I come. This is a wonderful promise of scripture. And so in John chapter 14, Jesus said, I will come again. And here the Lord is saying in these last three words of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when I come. So the first promise of the Lord's return is guaranteed and spoken of by the Lord Jesus himself. As we know that Jesus is God in the flesh, John chapter 1, verse number 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And in verse number 14 of John chapter 1, the scripture says, and the word became flesh. So Jesus, God in the flesh, he has stamped his integrity on these words. I will come again, as well as when he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, When I come. It's amazing and it's important. Jesus did not say, If I come. Aren't you glad for that? Somebody out there say amen. Aren't you glad that the second coming of Jesus Christ is not a possibility? It's not a probability. It's an absolute guarantee. He said, when I come, not that he might come, but when I come. And you have to remember, there's a passage of scripture in the book of Titus, chapter one, verse number two, that gives us the assurance that God cannot lie. Every word in this Bible is true. There is absolutely no passage, no chapter, no verse that is incorrect. It is all true. It is all the word of God. God cannot lie. And if he ever lied, he could not be God. Now, here's something else that I want you to think about this morning. Don't ever think that God will ever get to the place and the eons of time today and to come that he will ever run out of steam. Psalms chapter 41, verse number 13 says this. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting and to everlasting. Amen and amen. God will never run out of steam. He will never cease to be God, and he cannot lie. Now, I want you to notice another passage of Scripture in this realm of point number one, the two testimonies. The first testimony is given by Jesus himself where he said, I promise you, I will return. The second testimony that I want you to notice this morning is in Acts chapter one, verse number 11. And this is the testimony of the angels that stood by Jesus on the Mount of Olives on the 40th day as he was ascending back to the Father. Now I want you to read this with me in Acts chapter one, verse 11. Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, not an imitation, not a carbon copy of, not a representative of, this same Jesus. Somebody say, Amen. Which is taken up from you into heaven. Now, here's the promise. Here's the testimony. Shall so come in like manner, as ye have seen him go into heaven. And so I want you to know, in John chapter 14, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and Acts chapter 1, verse number 11, we have the two personal testimonies about the second coming of Jesus Christ. But again, let me clarify something. When Jesus comes in the rapture, he will not walk On the dirt of this earth, we will meet him in the air. Jesus himself and the angels, according to scripture, has given us the absolute promise, the absolute guarantee of this. Now, here is the thing. The rapture is not going to be something that you want to read about in the day after newspaper. Now, I want you to think through that just for a moment. The rapture is not going to be an event that you want to read about in tomorrow morning's newspaper. Turn your Bibles with me, if you will, please, to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24, and I want us to read some wonderful passages of Scripture, and this is in reference to point number two in your bulletin for today. And that point being, Jesus explains the spiritual condition of the world before he returns. We have a lot to say about that and a lot that you have already noticed, things that you have in comparison to scripture. But in Matthew chapter 24, I want to read for you verses 1 through 14. The scripture says, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, see ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us. When shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences. We talked about that last Sunday. And earthquakes in diverse places or in different places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, this word iniquity means sin, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved." And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. So here in this passage of Scripture, Jesus gave us a chilling description of what the world is going to be like right before he returns. It's called the great falling away. And I want you to think with me now. I want you to stay with me. The apostle Paul spoke about the great falling away in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I'm going to read a passage from that. And so you may want to turn your Bibles quickly to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I'm going to read for you verses 1 through 3. So follow along with me if you will. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, And by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Now, I want you to underline the words day of Christ. That's important. I'm going to explain that to you in just a moment but underline it, days of Christ. And in verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin, talking about the Antichrist, shall be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, in verse number 2, look at this carefully. It says the day of Christ. The day of Christ is the rapture. And as I have been preaching on Bible prophecy for over 20 some years, I have taught you well that there is a big difference between the rapture and the revelation. The rapture is known as the day of Christ. The revelation is known as the day of the Lord. And so you have to know the difference between them. And so in verse three, the scripture says that right before Jesus returns, that there's going to be a great falling away. Now I want to emphasize this, and I really want you to search your hearts and think about the word, the scripture before us today. That does mean in one sense of explanation that this world, this society that will be in this period called the great falling away, they will be adamantly against the word of God. And by the way, that's being literally fulfilled right before our very eyes today. The Bible is being declared in many different places of the United States. The Bible is being declared as hate speech in many different parts of our country, but in other places all around the world as well. Now, here's something significant in Matthew chapter 24. Go back to that with me just for a moment. Because Jesus himself said that right before the rapture, there would be a great falling away. And that means global apostasy will be rampant everywhere. And he went on to say in his end time message that apostasy would not only be in the world. And this is where I really want you to pay close attention. Jesus also said this, that this great falling away, that apostasy would also be in the church. Now that's a scary thought, but Jesus said it was going to happen. This great falling away, we can see it in the world can you visualize, can you see this great falling away happening in the church? Think about it. Jesus said this would happen, a great falling away in the church. I can witness to that today. Now listen, you cannot fall away from something until you have been close to something. Let me say it one more time, maybe it'll ring a few bells. You cannot fall away from something unless you've been close to something. Now, look with me in Matthew 25. I want to explain some things to you here. I'm going to read for you verses 1 through 13. Matthew chapter 25, verse 1 through 13. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamp. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, I know you not." Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. In another place, Jesus said, in the very end, many will say to me in that day, Lord, did we not do all these wonderful works? Did we cast out devils? Did we not preach in your name? And Jesus will say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, for I never knew you. Basically, that's the passage that we're reading today. Now, keep in mind, Jesus never said that we would not know the season or the signs before he returns. Last Sunday, I preached about 10 signs that have already been fulfilled. Jesus didn't say we wouldn't know the signs. He said this, that we would not know the day nor the hour. And that's true. No one does. But there is something interesting in this parable of the 10 virgins and how it reveals the spiritual condition in the hearts of people before he returns. Because in this particular parable, the bridegroom is Jesus. The 10 virgins represents the church or the religious community. The only real and true church now, listen carefully, is the ecclesia, a called out assembly. Those that have been born again, redeemed, washed in the blood. Jesus said that when he returns, only half of the professors who are possessors will be ready. He's saying that out of the 10 Five were ready and five were not. He said five were wise and five were foolish. And he is saying that only half of their lamps were all trimmed and burning. Now I'm going to share something with you this morning that probably is not comfortable for a lot of people to hear. Certainly not comfortable to think about and sometimes ponder and meditate on but I believe that a good pastor will not simply tell you warm stuff that you want to hear and give you a lot of fluff and tickle a lot of your ears, but a good pastor will tell you stuff that you need to hear. And let me tell you something about these five foolish virgins in this particular parable, because they represent the religious community who calls themselves the church who are really not saved individuals. Keep that in mind. You know, it used to be said to walk the walk and to talk the talk. But we're living in the time that the religious communities do not even want to talk the talk anymore. That's part of the great falling away that Jesus said would happen before the end. It's the time right before the rapture the great falling away will be among christians as well again let me say this that you cannot fall away from something unless you have been close to something think about that many churches today and i it, this is one of the disappointing things that a pastor would have to say or To talk about, but it's the truth. Many churches today are rejecting the Bible, the clear teachings of the Bible, to be the absolute Word of God. They are rejecting and distancing themselves for the moralities that the Scripture talks about. Some churches are rejecting the teaching on the inerrancy of the Word, meaning that Literal things about the Bible are absolutely true. For example, many churches today are getting away from the preaching on hell. Some no longer preach in a literal burning hell or a literal devil. And my response to that is this. For any church that would compromise the doctrines or the word of God, if the Bible is lying to us about the devil. If the Bible is lying to us about hell, then why in the world should we believe an ounce of it? Can somebody say amen? I mean, if one single thing in this book is wrong, then how in the world can we believe anything that it says if one thing is wrong? Did you know that Jesus talked more about hell in the scriptures than he did about heaven? This book is inspired, it's infallible, it's inerrant, that means it's completely without error, it's the holy word of God. Many churches today, they're gravitating towards this man-made doctrine, they believe that the church is universal, and one day, all God's people will be joined throughout the endless ages, I believe that. But that's not the doctrine that people are pushing in that universal church. They believe this, that Jesus is not the only way to heaven. One well-known pastor said this. He said that he would not define his life or his lifestyle or his sexuality by the four corners of of this book we call the infallible word of God. He said this, it's for another testament. He said, it's for another time. It's time for another testament to be written that is more up to date for the times that we're living in right now. When I wrote, read that, I said, how in the world could he put those words in print? How could he write such a thing? How could he say such a thing? that it's time for another testament to be written. It's time for a more up-to-date Bible. In other words, he was saying, it's time that someone else writes another Bible that conforms to my immoralities and my wicked lifestyles. These are the kind of things that's happening in so-called churches all over the world today. Yet, at the same time when this is happening, we have to be compassionate for those who err in the faith, who deny the faith, and let me be clear. Many do not believe in what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 25, and not just the world, but in many so called churches as well. But we are clearly living in the day where Bible prophecy is being fulfilled right before our very eyes. Jesus said, When I return, Only half of the professing Christians will really, truly know me as their personal Savior. That's a frightening thought. This is why we who know the truth, that we stand firm on the truth, that we stand firm on our awareness. I want you to look with me in 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 12, I'll give you a moment to turn your Bibles to that scripture. But in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 12, Paul is writing and he says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And so friend, you need to have that same kind of confidence in your heart when it comes to your faith, when it comes to your belief in the scriptures, when it comes to this thing called my personal conviction, you need to have these same kind of persuasions. Paul said, I am persuaded and that's what you need to be as well. Look at what Jesus said again in Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 12. He said, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Jesus is describing the world that we're living in right now. He described that in Matthew chapter 24 and 25. And so here's the thing. Don't lose this thought. When the rapture takes place, There will not be one single saved person left on the earth at that time. Please don't lose that thought. When every single Christian is taken out of this earth, the Holy Spirit will be removed as well. And when the child of God is taken, every child of God is taken from the earth and the Holy Spirit is taken up out of the earth, it's going to be a completely different world. You meditate on that just for a moment. Then it will be completely engulfed in sin. Did you know that because there are Christians, multitudes of Christians walking the face of this earth right now and the Holy Spirit is indwelling their hearts? It buffers a little bit of the wickedness and apostasy, the iniquity of the world. But imagine when all of God's people are taken out and the Holy Spirit himself is removed. Imagine if the world is so wicked and so full of chaos today and hatred and sin. Imagine what the world is going to be like when every child of God is gone and the Holy Spirit is gone. Jesus gave us other examples. Point number three. I want you to see this in Luke chapter 17, verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise... Also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he which shall be on the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken, the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. Now listen, Jesus compared this to the days of Noah, meaning that the world would be engulfed with violence. Look around. It's happening everywhere. Closer home than we want to admit or realize. He also compared this to the days of Lot. He said that it would be a completely perverted world when the Lord Jesus returns. Now, I want you to think about this. God, in speaking about the judgment and the removal of God's people, God did not destroy this world, this earth by flood until Noah and his family were safely on board the ark. God did not destroy the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah until Lot, who was counted righteous, and his daughters were safely outside of the city. God did not destroy the city of, of Jericho until Rahab and her family were safe. All of that is a typology, it's a picture. How that God removed his people before he brought the judgment. And that's exactly what's going to happen with the rapture of the church. Now, number four, look at your bulletin and follow with me carefully. Number four, the rapture is going to be a selective event. And so in Luke chapter 17, I want you to turn there with me just for a moment. In Luke chapter 17, I want you to notice something in verse number 34 through 36. Luke 17 and verse 34. I tell you in that night, there shall be two men in one bed. The other shall be taken. One shall be taken. The other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is thither will the eagles be gathered together. This is important. The scripture is saying this. How do we know that the rapture is going to be a selective event? He's saying some wives will go and some wives will be left. Some women will go, some women will be left. Some husbands will go, some husbands will remain. All the children under the age of accountability will go. Think about this. The others will be raptured if they are saved. Others will be left if they're not saved. Some will be raptured if they're saved. Others will be left behind if they're not saved. That's what makes the rapture a selective event. Now, I want you to notice something else important in this passage. Luke chapter 17, verse number 37. The latter part of that verse, the word says this. Look at it very carefully. In, in Luke chapter 17, he said, And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Whosoever the body is, Thither will the eagles be gathered together. Now, where do the eagles fly? The eagles don't fly in space. And they don't fly in the depths of the earth. Eagles fly in the air. And so think about this just for a moment. In the air. Paul said it this way in First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Jesus said where eagles fly, in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And so when the Lord Jesus returns, he is going to come and take us where eagles fly. We'll meet the Lord in the air. And that's point number six. The rapture will take all believers into the air to meet Jesus. That's point number five. Now let me conclude this morning with point number six. And that is this, the rapture will also be a transforming event, a transforming event. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 51, verse number 52, Paul said this, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. The rapture will be a transforming event. Now, what does that mean, preacher, that we're going to be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye? I think the apostle Paul wrote it so well, again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the book of Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 21. He wrote it like this. And this transformation takes place at the rapture. Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. And here's the thing. When the trump of God sounds, According to the scriptures, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up behind them, right behind them to meet Jesus where eagles fly, to meet Jesus in the air. And when we meet Jesus in the air, when those that are dead rise first and then we in the twinkling of an eye right behind them, we're going to be changed. Here's the wonderful thought behind that. There's not one single solitary one of us that's going to be limping at the judgment seat. None of us will be limping into heaven. None of us will have to wear these eyeglasses in heaven or wear these hearing aids. Nobody will have these oxygen tanks in heaven. Nobody will have nitroglycerin pills. Nobody will need a CNI dog. Nobody will need an earthly physician. I will tell you that when we meet the Lord Jesus in the air, our vile, corrupt bodies that we have been shackled to in all the years of our life on this earth, the Bible says there's going to be a transformation. There's going to be a change. And we're going to lay all of those things down. When the trump of God wakes us out of the dead, out of the sleep, or we're changed in the moment and the twinkling of an eye right behind the whatever the difference is. Listen, when we meet the Lord Jesus in the air, every one of us is going to have a perfect, glorious body made and fashioned like unto his own. Can anybody out there say amen? That's what the scripture says. Like unto his glorious body. Well. There's a passage of scripture in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, and it says this, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. John started it off by saying this, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Thank God nobody will be limping into heaven. Well, how does this all come together, preacher? Soon and very soon, the songwriter said, Great songwriter Andre Crouch, he said, soon and very soon we're going to see the king. And the king of all the ages is going to return in the air. The trump of God will sound. The dead in Christ will be raised first. Then those of us who are alive and remain, when the Lord returns in the air, the day of Christ, we're going to be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, We'll lay down these corruptible bodies and we will be given a brand new body, a glorious body made likened to the Lord's body himself. And we will meet the Lord in the air. And that's when the judgment seat of Christ will take place for the believer. There will not be one lost person at the the judgment seat of Christ. And so when this event, the rapture, takes place, every child of God that's saved, every born-again child of God will meet the Lord in the air. The Holy Spirit will be taken out. This world will enter into a seven-year tribulation period. And I beg of you today that if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want you to understand that the rapture is the next prophetic event on God's timetable. On God's calendar, that's the next thing to happen. Everything else is ready. As I mentioned last Sunday, all the signs are in place. Jesus didn't say we wouldn't know signs. He did say there would be no warning. What he said was, you don't know the day or the hour, but friend, you can read the word of God and understand that everything prior to all this event called the rapture has been already fulfilled. there's not one single event that's prohibiting the Lord Jesus from returning in the rapture. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at bufordroadbaptistchurch.com.